podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. which we predate. My name is Craig Cairns and I am your host for today, whenever you're listening. I was going to say this evening, don't even know why I bothered correcting myself there. And I've got two people to join me in going through the journey that was the Scottish Cup semi-final weekend. This is a horrendous interview. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear them laughing, it's Stone Cold Andy Harrow. Ah, yeah. And it's uh, one of our two resident statues, it's Tom Watt. Hello. We're just going to have the, the Scottish Cup semi-final weekend is routinely my favourite weekend of the Scottish football calendar. Uh, we've had some cracking weekends over the years, but this one I feel didn't quite didn't quite live up to, to, to previous years. Um, and we'll start with the first game. We'll start with yesterday's game, which was Aberdeen nil, Celtic three. Speaking of just before we came on air, Tom. So let's um, let's kind of let's kind of kick off from there. Um, I felt going into this game that it was one of the best chances until I saw the starting lineup. I felt it was one of the, um, one of Aberdeen's best chances to beat Celtic. I thought because Rogers is gone, that's going to kind of be a little bit of a leveler. Proved not to be the case, but in the end, it turned out to be one of the worst performances from a Derek McKenna side against uh, Celtic at Hamden. I think one of the worst performances from a Derek McKenna side in the last five years. That, um, I mean, the, there are there are caveats to that. I think there there are two important ones to touch on first of all the fact that you know there were so many players out and you can argue that that's the manager's fault but through injury or suspension it was a ludicrously young team um and i think there are there is an argument over the red card whether it was a red card you know whether it was a, a second booking whether the first one was a booking particularly given what happened with Gavin Kestevan in the league cup final which looked to be a very similar if not absolutely identical incident having got that out of the way it was a terrible <laughs> performance um the there wasn't really any fluency they just they didn't look confident they had you know it was a very very young midfield to put up against um you know, a position that Celtic are particularly strong and have a lot of depth in and can change things. Um, I mean, they were they were dogged enough for half an hour, uh, but it it wasn't the performance of a team who have had some better results against Celtic and have had some very good results in Glasgow this season. Um, and a Celtic, I guess I Celtic said that there was a sense they were vulnerable, like they hadn't. They, they. I mean, they've they've obviously still got the same players, and they're obviously going for a treble, and you know they're obviously the best team in the country, but they've lost the feeling of invincibility, and it, they didn't really capitalise on that at all. 
And should we just address the obvious now then? You kind of already brought it up. The, the red card, let's kind of just get that out of the way and we can talk about the other stuff. I mean, I think that it was... Given that he was already on a bookend, it was definitely mm. another bookend. Mm. I think it was in that kind of... It was in that borderline area where it probably could have been a probably could have been a straight red for the challenge because I think that um, I just think he's he's endangered his opponent. He's he's his opponent. I know this doesn't necessarily mean that you have endangered your opponent, but he he knocked him out and he had to be stretched off and go to hospital for a scan. I think um, that in itself tells you that he's endangered them. But I, I just think that um, when they both go for the ball. It's about ninety percent to ten percent in in Christie's favour. Um, balls got balls never going to be winning that. Not only that, um, it's just in such an innocuous area of the pitch. He just doesn't need to do it. And to I, I agree with the, the the comparison you've made with the Boyata one. Now I think that should have been a penalty, um, which wasn't given on the day. But I don't know if that was quite as bad. That was that was more. That was more a, a just a typical aerial duel, I think, where it just accidentally ended up. And, and I know this one was an accident as well. Yeah. Paul's not going to help hurt him, but yeah, I, I think I think there's I think there's quite obvious um, differences between those two. But uh, yeah, I, I think the red card yeah. is fair. I'm I'm not sure that there are the differences are that pronounced. Actually, I think they're pretty pretty similar. McInnes tied himself up in knots a wee bit afterwards because he kind of said he referenced the Beata one and said, "Well, we should have had a penalty there." And then for uh, the one yesterday, he was kind of saying, well, it shouldn't have been a, you know, was it a foul or anything. They were both fouls, and I would say probably both bookings, because like you say, they're endangering the person. In both occasions, the person's meaning to go for the ball. There's no sense from either of them yep. that they're, they're trying to injure the other person, but they're both late. The same way that you may be a high boot or whatever else, it's not necessarily that you're being dirty, that you're just going in about it the wrong way. But yeah, I was late. And Gary Mackay, Stephen, there's maybe an argument to say that Ball would have been easier pulling out than Bayata was. Uh, that might be a thing because I feel like maybe Bayata was coming at it um, and it was a slightly quicker situation, whereas it felt a bit more like there was a wee bit more time for Ball to kind of decide whether or not he wanted to go for the challenge. But I think both are both were fouls and both are probably yellow cards. And I, and I think the first one, because I, I, I was at the game yesterday and kind of coming out of it there was a lot of Aberdeen fans saying well it just as we were kind of passing quite a lot of them said about the first one not being a yellow card I think it I think it probably is as well to be honest I think it's not a, it's not like a, an absolute nailed on yellow card it's not the worst challenge mm. ever it, but it is it is a cynical kind of tackle and it says he's just gone past it, it was to some extent but, him off. but the ball was going out of play. Yeah, I think that's a big factor. Which it has to be a factor. I mean, I, I think that having been... like, I mean, I am perhaps telling myself I'm not saying this a little bit. Being on a booking to go in for mm-hmm. that kind of challenge. And I don't... I, I think when you watch it in slow motion, it looks like he drops his head and headbutts him. Yeah. Uh, and it looks much, much more calculated than I think it was. I think he probably did have time to come out of it. And I think if you're on a booking, that's an idiotic yeah. challenge to, to, to go into. But I think with the, the his one, it was his... First tackle of the game, which doesn't, which only kind of counts for something, but the ball was going out of play anyway. Like Johnny yeah. Hayes is not in control of the ball when it happens, so I, I don't think it was a necessary. See, I think the referee would tell you that that yellow card was given for stopping a promising attack, but if the ball's going out of play, then you're not stopping a promising attack because I don't think the yellow's for uh, being reckless uh, or, or anything like that. 
so that that, that would be I, my, I, and, I, and I have to say I've probably tied myself in knots for the Gary McKay-Stephen <laughs> comparison because he got carried off injured as well <laughs> there was maybe also an element with Ball as well that Aberdeen were were kind of going into challenges quite heavy and, and generally legally as part of that, that first sort of 10-15 minutes yeah. I can't remember if Ball had had any sort of previous ones where it wasn't a foul but he'd maybe gone in a bit rough but certainly some of the Aberdeen players Ferguson especially done it a few times and maybe Ball was also a wee bit unlucky in the sense that he's the next one to, mm-hmm. to do something the referees thought right now's the time for because they talked to Ferguson a couple of times beforehand so I agree the, the, the first one I think I wouldn't criticise the referee for giving it as a booking but it's not the harshest you know it's not the, the clearest yellow card in the world but the main thing is it was it was so stupid that second one. Like you've got the whole game on a booking, whether it was deserved or not. It really, and it wasn't such a pointless area of the pitch, like middle of the pitch. So yeah, that's it. Doesn't, doesn't need to it. make the challenge at all. Um, so, but even even before that red card, I think the writing was on the wall really for Aberdeen. I mean, obviously they could have they could have wrote it out, could have snuck a goal or something like that. But it looked early on that Celtic were in the mood and were going to dominate. Um, Aberdeen kind of man-marked the, the Celtic midfield but what they weren't counting on I don't think is uh, Jozo Samunovic turning into <laughs> Virgil van Dijk for, for five minutes Yeah and he was given an awful lot I mean I think one of the one of the thing one of the many things that was missing is you know when you play when you play a central midfield that is so young there isn't the kind of tactical discipline there might have been so when he was getting the ball inside his own half who was meant to be closing him down to stop him just travelling 30, 40 yards with the ball. I just I, I think McInnes' tactics was probably to allow him to have the ball yeah. and not bother about but, him bursting but, through the midfield. But again, I think that comes down partly to being a young team. I think they were clearly man-marking. And Campbell yeah. quite often was kind of like the f- third centre-half. He was yeah. so deep. Yeah. And it takes somebody maybe who's a wee bit more experienced to kind of say, right, there is a wee bit of a threat here, but actually this is the, the bigger threat and I need to go out and... And the, the Simunovic... One where he bombed forward and had a shot from the edge of the uh, from the edge of the box it, after a Ca- after a Cruyff turn. Well, <laughs> Campbell at that point was like halfway between who looked mm. like his man and him, and you could see him going. Yeah, he didn't know what yeah. to do because because obviously the, the bigger danger for picking a pass or, or or to your goal is McGregor, but McGregor pulls really deep, and you can see him. He's caught between whether do, do I close down, does somebody else close down soon when you because it obviously wasn't part of the game plan to close him down. No, and it's about. It's bad enough for Aberdeen that they've lost any, but bringing in Campbell, and he, he did, I thought, look, especially second half, it almost doesn't matter. You can, it doesn't really count in a, a way because they're down to nine men at parts of that. But in the first half, it, he felt very inexperienced. Like Physically, he was maybe there, but he just didn't have the same kind of game awareness. You know, people were kind of going past them quite easily. They were kind of showing him for dummies and stuff. And then there was the issues in terms of who he was supposed to be picking up. And I guess Ferguson... First, I had an okay game until his head went uh, in the second half, but he maybe wasn't experienced enough to be able to help him through the game. I kind of felt like I thought they did better after that first five ten minutes. They settled into it a wee bit more, and the more it physical it got, actually, the the more it seemed to suit Aberdeen a wee bit. But they never really got any control in that midfield. I don't mm. think at any point. I, mean, I think I, I I actually thought that after five minutes it was like here. Here, this, you know, seen this, mm. seen this film before. I think I, I said as much on social media. Um, but after after that period, it did feel a little bit like it settled down a little bit. There, you know, there weren't great opportunities or anything, but it was a little more. They put some passes together, yeah. and but the the game didn't 
feel like it turned on the first red card. The game felt like it turned on the booking because at that point we're like, he's, he, Don Ball's going to get sent off. He's definitely going to get sent off. And Johnny Hayes was obviously put in. Uh, well, first of all, I think he, I think he deserves to be spoken about on his own in isolation uh, in terms of his performance. And plus, um, over the last few years, at Hamden, he's been on the losing side in the final with Aberdeen. I think he missed last seasons because of a broken leg. He missed the League Cup final with Aberdeen. Got carried off after ten minutes. Right. Yeah. And and he probably wouldn't have played, and uh, he wasn't really a. Uh, one of Rogers' favourites or anything like that, but he's very much a Lennon player, and uh, he was clearly picked because Dom Ball was seen as uh, one of the weak spots in that Aberdeen team. He's, he's playing, he's playing out of position, uh, and yeah. So, so not only was um, did Ball pick up an early book, and I think um, I think that was a game plan from the start to to uh, to attack Ball, and, and you know it, it would have been a very simple tactical decision to make. I, I mean, it, it was. There were, you know, there were any number of question marks over how Aberdeen would line up, but I think if you've got the opportunity to put Hayes and Tierney up against Ball and Stewart, sure, who yeah, you know, like, who has has played wide and has, but, I mean, recently has played behind Cosgrove, but just there is no other option other than he's kind of got to play wide. And I thought he started reasonably well, but neither of them are playing in their preferred position. Um, just created a really obvious mismatch. I thought, uh, I mean, Hayes and Tierney linked up really well. Hayes is very good at dropping back and covering his fullback when need uh, need be. But you know, they were getting forward at will, and and ball was obviously picked up as a, a, a an obvious weak point. Yeah, I think you're right about. Um, there was no other option really but to play Stuart White, and I think with Shinny missing as well, I think May was. An obvious choice to kind of to sit on Brown, like sit behind the forward, just on Brown, um, and it took to just before half time, not long after that red card, and just before half time for the first goal, and uh, what a beauty it was! I mean, James Forrest, good shout for player of the year. I think Callum McGregor was saying as much, who's probably his main competition, <laughs> was saying uh, as much after the game. But he, yeah, he just he just loves Hamden at the moment. Just loves playing at Hamden. It's the goal that Tom Rogic usually scores against Aberdeen at Hamden. <laughs> so, was, you know, I mean, he, I, I thought by his own standards, he had been relatively quiet until that point, but then he gets it and, you, and yeah. What a touch. Yeah. Just uh, take it Brilliant. on the turn. It was a beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah beautiful it was touch. a terrific finish. And he, he is, I mean, it's just production this season. He's been involved in over 30 goals, isn't he? He scored 22. Is that right? And mm. it's double figures for, I think, assists as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's, there was one of those lies of social media saying he's the only player in the world to be involved in like 40 goals in clever club and country this season, which is definitely yeah, not, not true. true. Yeah. But but he's definitely played at a... I mean, you talk about um, Fraser down at Bournemouth playing well and, uh, you know, seen talk about bigger teams looking for him. Forrest is kind of at that level as well because he's at Celtic, obviously, there's a bit of a anti-Scottish bias about it from, from people down south, but... He's now been playing with certainly two seasons, maybe two and a two and a bit seasons at that level, basically. And another one, I mean, I, I think he could play. He is at that kind of you know, if you talk about Tierney being somebody who could slot into a, a team now uh, down south and at a higher standard, Forrest is kind of suggesting that he could be like that. Like he seems, you know, in terms of his commitment to improve, he obviously seems to have got that. He can. He's just that end product now is just there all the time. Like yeah. whether it's and he doesn't always have to have a good game 
but he still has some sort of telling impact in the game. So I, 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 he's just taken a little long. I mean, you're, you're, it's not like he's burst onto the scene this season, but it's been like you say two or three mm. years, and I think the potential was always there. I think the main thing for him in the last eighteen months is his decision making is mm. just vastly improved. I mean, there was he was always a danger. He hope you know he was always capable of goals. He was always good running at players. Um, but it, it, and it wasn't even that there was a problem, you know, like his final ball let him down or anything like that. But he's now even more direct. Um, he knows when to release other players. He knows composed, when to composed, yeah. more composed. Yeah, much. And, and I mean, I know this goal has nothing to do with composure, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he's much more composed now. Those uh, goals he scored for Scotland, uh, one where he kind of and he scored a very similar one um, in a game recently where he just takes one touch in a crowded mm-hmm. penalty area and then puts it in the bottom corner. He's got much better at that kind of skill as well. But it, that's confidence as well. Forrest is now somebody who I think sees himself as being one of Celtic's biggest players and is happy to take on that responsibility. Nothing was happening in that game, really. He just decides I'm going to leather it from 30 yards out. He's actually trying a bit too hard to get involved yeah. in the game. He was, I mean, I think he's been told more recently to kind of, well, he's, he's brought into his game more to kind of drift off yeah. the, off the, but he was popping up on the left wing. I mean, he got booked for diving when he ended, mm-hmm. he popped up on the left wing at one point. So yeah. it was like he was trying a bit too hard to get involved in the game at one point. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a moment, uh, magic and, uh, Celtic never really looked back after that. Um, he almost scored another a few minutes later. Oh yeah, I should point out that's the last three rounds he's scored in this competition now. Pretty decent record. And then in the second half, um we had the penalty on Hayes or the the, the, the Devlin gave away the penalty for the challenge on Hayes. I mean there's no real arguments as no, that he kinda no. he inadvertently stands on his foot. But I think it, the the damage is done before that where I, I don't know what Devlin's thinking. So, it's like he goes to go for a header but then pulls well, out of it. I think yeah, I don't know about, about that, but certainly looking at it back, Edward's been, whether he's been smart or he just happens to have been there, that he's on Devlin's shoulder. And what Devlin, I would suggest, should have done is to pass him over to McKenna or whoever, or Considine, whichever was the closest centre-half to him. But he doesn't, he kind of stays with him a kind of second or two too long, and then obviously he then gets caught under the ball when it, when it comes across. And... Maybe that's a part of him being a centre-half mm. at heart, that he's like, well, there's a centre-forward there, I'm going to yeah, mark the centre-forward, that it makes sense. But obviously he's kind of caught out, and then compounds it by giving away a, giving away the penalty as well. And to be honest, the game was probably over anyway. It didn't feel like it was going to be a game. I mean, you could have said that, I guess, with the old firm game a few weeks ago, that it didn't look like a game where Rangers would come back from a goal down and down to 10 men. Maybe that actually was an issue for Aberdeen, the fact that Celtic had already gone through that experience of kind of taking their foot off the gas a wee bit. So they, they knew not to do that in Aberdeen. I mean, Aberdeen don't have nearly as much experience. No, that, is true. that is, that is true. That's true. And they also, I mean, they don't have anyone like Morelos or anyone that can kind of... And plus they're a team of like early 20-something-year-olds yeah, playing yeah. with 10 men as well, not not just... No. The, so. Certainly the feeling at halftime was the only... No, nobody was, was feeling optimistic whatsoever, but the only way that it was going to be a game is if it became a battle and... Celtic got players sent off as well, and there was nobody who was gonna. I mean, other than Conor McLennan, there wasn't really any like runners that were stretching play. There wasn't really anyone. Um, it, it was well, it was just very yeah. flat. That wasn't going to happen. It wasn't like it didn't have the same intense atmosphere as as the Old Firm no. game, where you, you know, 
it can change very, very quickly and someone can just lose their head. Yeah, that and, wasn't it, gonna and I don't know if it was you, Craig, that said about, or somebody said about in the WhatsApp group about taking off the wrong person. So r- rather, yeah, than being, rather than it being me that went off, and I presume they meant Stuart is probably the, the person that should have come off. Or it certainly Stuart did absolutely nothing once they went down to 10 men. Uh, yeah, I mean, May's going to, he's not going to score, but uh, he's. I don't mean to say that Greg Stewart doesn't work hard, but May, I mean, if May, if anything, May is a really hard worker. He's yeah, a really yeah, busy yeah. player yeah. in both a def- defend, defensive and attacking sense. So, yeah, maybe with 10 men, with hindsight, he's maybe a better player to have on than Stewart with 10 men. But at the same time, he can't produce a moment of quality that, um, that Stewart has in his locker, I suppose. Oh, no, they probably didn't make much difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it did. I mean, I, I, I think... Everyone was large, was quite surprised that May came off because of what he what else he gave. I think either Cosgrove or Stewart could have come off. I think. I mean, I I was very. I noticed he's not played very often this season, but I think you can almost summarize. I mean, there's an awful a lot of things about Aberdeen this season. You can summarize in the fact that Stephen Gleeson, you know, he is not a flash in the pan Irish international. He's got a couple of goals for Ireland, and his face doesn't fit. Whether it's personal, whether it's training for whatever reason he doesn't fit and you know when Derek McInnes looked for a starting 11 he he went for Dean Campbell instead of uh, you know a guy who's played at a very high level in England and and is an international and decided not to play and then when he had um, when he lost a right back he decided not to take on Halford who is a right back or not to take on Gleeson who has certainly played right back for at least the season and went went with Devlin instead so I think I mean, it's a long way down the list of things that went wrong, but the substitutions were like maybe 20th or 21st in the list of yeah. things that went wrong for Aberdeen. Yeah, uh, Stuart, um, James Wilson, actually, he was quite funny because we were sitting near where the kind of subs were, and he was he was on the touchline for ages. He seemed to be, because yeah. Celtic kind of had a, quite a few corners in a row. Aberdeen were kind of penned into the, their own box for a period of time. So I, I presume they were kind of waiting for that to clear before they could bring Wilson on. So he was hanging around there for ages. And then... Ferguson gets sent off. Uh, no, so, aye, so this would have been it too. Now then Ferguson gets sent off and then they lost the third goal. And then he's sort of hanging around for a wee bit more, but Gleason's kind of gone in front of him and then gets on and Wilson's hanging around there for a wee bit longer. And then eventually somebody tells him, just go back and sit down. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> You've missed one um, crucial part of all that was uh, McInnes getting sent yes, off for the get yeah. right fucking up yeah, yes. to the Celtic fans, which yeah. he has subsequently... Uh, Apologised for and said he shouldn't have got involved yeah. in, which is which is yeah. Enough. Yeah, I didn't hear. I, to be honest, I'm terrible at hearing what folks say in grounds. I didn't. I presumed they were obviously Celtic fans were shouting something at McInnes, but didn't hear what it was. And it's uh, sad I orange bastard, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, um, um, but the Aberdeen fans, as you point out, were um, had some an unsavoury chance of their own, yeah. and also they booed a man who was being carried off after mm-hmm. just being knocked out. Yeah. Cold, which I think was a little bit it was, distasteful. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was crappy. I mean, it, it, you know, for some balance, Celtic fans booed Gary McKesty even when he got carried off in Is the same right? game. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, I'm not getting, in, I wouldn't ever get into like what fans did and said. I think mm. that, it, I think McInnes was wrong to react to it, but I think he did the right thing in saying, look, mm-hmm. my mistake, mea culpa, and, and moved on from it. Yeah. I, the, the, I, I didn't actually understand just on the booing thing. I didn't really understand the booing of Christian. It might not, it obviously wasn't all the Aberdeen fans, and certainly I didn't really hear any around us. But 
Hayes was booed sort of in the names. I mean, there's a bit of that that's fine. It's the kind of pantomime yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's... Right, this would have been more the fury of, or the perceived injustice of the decision, yeah, 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 spilling yeah, on yeah, to, yeah, yeah, I guess, to, and, so. and Christie being, I mean, not being made a scapegoat. That's wrong, but the kind of that anger being directed towards yeah. him. I don't think they were really booing a man who uh, had just been knocked out, mm. or I don't think they were really booing him because he used to play for um, um, for us, and now he plays yeah, for yeah. them because he was on loan from but, them. I know, but they, but they, they, there was some people that were booing him beforehand. As I say, it was kind of. Pantomime, it doesn't yeah, really exactly. matter. Like you know, the amount of that, like Boo Ryan seems or whatever. That's fine. Mulroney's getting booed yeah, by Inverness. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, like, it's not. Like, it's not like yeah, he left under yeah, the cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of okay. Although I, I like to think if it's somebody, everybody's used to boo kind of John Beard a bit, or people who actually had sort of a good career and did all they could with the, the club they were at, and then get booed and they back, which I kind of think's a bit shite to be honest. Mm. Like, but fine, it's not. I'm not going to get that hit up over it. But. Um, but it did seem it was just pretty distasteful, like given the guy's been knocked out on the ground, and he's a young guy, and he was on loan for two seasons and did his best as far as I can tell from the two seasons at Aberdeen. One and of it, the least uh, offensive yeah, players. Yeah, Although somebody yeah, hates yeah. his, um, is there not somebody on the podcast that hates his celebrations? Did not hear that yeah, recently. I don't know. <laughs> but but I just I don't know. It was just a bit. It was just a bit depressing that that was happening. To be honest, but yeah. Moving on to something else depressing, which was the first half of the game the previous day. Hearts <laughs> 3, Inverness 0. My God, what a shite first half that was. It was awful. Yeah, it was. Um, do we have to do the first half? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, um, we'll just touch on it. <laughs> I think the nicest thing I could say about it was it, Cali it, ended. Were, <laughs> it ended. We're no longer, we're no longer watching it. I think um, there was a, a Feeling that, well, I mean, it would, it, from a from a sort of like, how are these teams matched up? It was it, it didn't look like a total mismatch, and I think Cali did quite well, like tactically. They looked mm-hmm. solid. They looked, they didn't really cause a huge amount of threat going forward, but it looked like it might be a good, a good cup match in inverted commas, and not in the sense that it's like a championship side who have got other priorities. Mm-hmm. Which it could well have been, and you know, it was the the biggest game of the season for Hearts and and everything for them, and it could easily have been far more one sided in the first half than it was. I think the nicest thing I could say was it was dogged, and um, both teams were tactically disciplined enough <laughs> to. Oh God, I'm trying to sell it. It was absolutely dross. A bit more in an attacking sense, but there was no there was no final ball. They had way more of the ball, which you'd yeah. expect with the relative quality of the two sides. And um, Uchi got into some good positions. Um, his touch let him down repeatedly. Um, there was another one where he was running through. Where I felt like he should have just leathered it rather than trying to turn back into a crowd of players. Uh, and the other player. It was worth pointing out, I think, from that first half was Mulraney. Again, he showed flashes. He he um, he's got he's got an incredible turn of pace, uh, which a lump like Rooney just can't keep up with. And again, there wasn't quite the there was a couple of decent balls he put in the box, but there wasn't like that final ball or the mm. execution from Hearts. And there wasn't nearly enough of that in the first half either. And Inverness. To give them their due, one of their one of their scenarios would have been no matter how we get there, if we get to the if we get to half time nil nil, then that that's yeah. that's phase one of our mission complete. Yeah, it, you kind of got it from the the fact that 
some of the Hearts fans were booing Hearts off the pitch, which I thought was kind of harsh. That's on harsh the, on the, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it's kind of harsh on the, the basis of one forty-five minutes against a championship team who are clearly up for it. Obviously, in the kind of wider context, it feels more like in keeping with Hearts' performances over a number of weeks and months. But, um, yeah, you're right. Inverness would have kind of gone, well, fine, we've actually started to get the fans on Hearts back if we can keep this tight for 10, 15, 20 minutes in the second half and maybe create a couple of chances of our own. Then we're, we're right in this one. And they weren't, and they certainly weren't out of it in the same way that Aberdeen felt out of it even before the, the, the sending off. The one thing that probably characterised both the games for, certainly the two teams that lost, is that they didn't create a great deal. I mean, Inverness had a couple of chances from Chalmers, but there wasn't, there wasn't any great period of concerted pressure or a great sense that they were ever going to. There was a wee spell at 1 0, which we'll get to. Yeah. But I, I think um, Ollie Lee really set the. I mean, he had a fantastic second half, but he really set the tone from the first, from the first 30 seconds or whatever it was where. Uh, he picks up the ball in the centre of the pitch and from 40 yards he, he, he fizzes mm. a shot which is going straight towards the top corner which is a really good save from Ridgers and I just felt like that kind of after a really as we've just discussed after a really poor first half from Hearts um, it was it was the perfect start to, without actually scoring sorry but you know what I mean it, yeah. it really set the tone yeah. that Hearts were going to come out and, uh, and, and, and be better in that second half Yeah I think we've, there's been a couple of examples in the last couple of weeks where Levine has changed things, not necessarily tactically, but whether it's the proverbial rocket or he's done enough to get a very different sort of performance in the second half. I think, I mean, I think while there were people booing the performance in the first, I think that's anyone who's watched Cali Thistle this season, that's what they've been good at. You know, they've got a lot of draws and not all of them have been because they've thrown away leads. Mm-hmm. They are, they, they're neat in possession. They move the ball around well. Um, and they've got some good footballers, but they're also a pretty dogged um, hard side to, to 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 break down. And I think it's credit to Hearts that they found us another gear early on um, in the second half. And um, yeah, just ch- change the flow of the game. I mean, I I actually thought that immediately. I thought it was quite it was even until two 0 I thought even you know Hearts score. Um, and immediately I thought there were a couple of decent opportunities I think I mean I'm getting ahead of myself but there's some debate as to whether the um, the goal that, the was, goal disallowed, that was disallowed yeah. was was offside or whether that was, so I, I thought that they I thought it was a much more competitive game it was a much more for, for two semi-finals we were both 3-0 mm-hmm. it was a much more competitive 3-0 than yeah, the one true, yeah because true. I actually had a shot on target <laughs> yeah two yeah, all right. <laughs> two <laughs> Um, so yeah, Uchi puts Hearts ahead, um, and then there's a spell where I don't know what Hearts were doing. The centre midfield, they were just they were hesitating, they were turning back, they were giving away possession. June commits a foul on the edge of the box, but he just doesn't need to commit. There's a, there's other bodies around there, and especially with somebody like uh, Chalmers, a decent yeah. shot on him. And uh, Levine said he didn't even watch the pitch at that point because he knew how uh, accurate he can be with his left foot and. I mean, what a save from Bobby Slamal. I mean, it's a, it's a cracking strike, obviously, but what a save from Bobby Slamal. And uh, I kind of special mention for him, given the last semi-final that he turned up in, he threw one in the net and uh, basically ended any char- uh, any chance Hearts had uh, had of um, going through in that tie. So, yeah. A really good save. I mean, I think it was... It, 
we're now treated to however many camera angles you want, really, and it would be great to see that from his perspective because mm-hmm. I think it looks like one of those ones where he takes a step the wrong direction, is unsighted, and it's like I mean he's he's on the right side of the goal for it to happen, so it is but it's not side, where, it's the side of the goal. but it's not where anyone's expecting him to put it. No, and, and um, if it's two inches higher uh, or or something in that ballpark, then he's got no chance of saving. Yeah, it. he he's he's got to he's covered about as much of the frame of the goal as he can with his uh, with his kind of double-handed effort. Yeah. I think it's Mackay that's walking past that's just like, un- like incredulous that he's managed to save it. I, I said to the guys next to me um, that it was going in. I thought it was in. Uh, before he hit it, obviously, I thought this is, yeah. this is in. He's, it's going in. And yeah, my God. And it probably, you know, you're right, Tom, it was certainly a lot closer. It, probably, it would have probably changed the tone of the game at that point. You think I mean given the given the reaction at halftime that I think you know, it, it it may well be a, just a sort of sign of where the relationship is between Hearts and Levine at the moment that it, it is a bit fractured had mm. had Cali equalized at that point then it doesn't I mean it doesn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily have changed the momentum of the game because Hearts were the better team but it does change the mentality yeah. of, uh, and the pressure. And that uh, gave Hearts a chance to create another five set-piece opportunities, <laughs> <laughs> one, one of which they scored. first one was actually pretty inventive. This one, they just kind of reacted to a, to a situation. Um, actually, it's one of the things I wanted to bring up that... I mean, Hearts are like the England of Scottish football. The, the, you know, the, the 2018 England that went all the way to the semi-final. <laughs> like, keep it tight um, and, and be inventive from set And have an easy draw. Have an easy draw is also part of it. But, I mean, I've heard... It's an excellent tactic. <laughs> some people say recently that, um, that Hearts are a one-dimensional team, and I think that's a little bit overblown. If you're talking about long ball, I think that's a little bit overblown. Um Obviously, Hearts do like to play direct. They do like a long ball. Berra can do nothing else than play <laughs> a long ball or a five-yard pass. So um, I understand that we, that we are a very direct side, but I think that's overblown something. But see if people were to say we're one-dimensional, but say, say about set pieces, I, I would accept mm. that. I would accept mm. that Hearts are one-dimensional mm. in that they, they put a lot of their eggs into the set pieces basket. Yeah, but... I guess that's it works, you know. It, it's just as um, good a way of scoring as any other yeah. way of scoring. So it makes sense if you've got so many big units in there um, from kind of front to back, then you'll load the box and get as many free kicks and corners as you can. All, all they don't have is a kind of long throw expert that they can. That'd be the kind of perfect thing uh, that there is. It's Bazanich is one, but he doesn't play every week. But I'm sure is there not somebody else we've got who. who um, Thunders the ball into the box from a throw. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody else, but yeah, um, Bazanich when he plays mm. does it anyway. Right. Uh, but those, I'm not a huge fan of long throws. I mean, they're very um, the, the the amount of times they end up in goals are very yeah. few and far between. I think as well, there's a lot like since Rory Delap was doing it, everyone's realised. Yeah. yeah, let's just put it in the box. Whereas what he was doing was totally different. You know, his was like. You know, arrowing down yeah, top spin, yeah, and yeah, also was there was an all sorts of yeah. physics going on. Hearts had it with uh, 
Robbie Nielsen for I mean, not to the extent that Rory mm. Delat was doing it for for uh, for Stoke. But, used to be a guy in the mid nineties called Dave Challoner that did oh, the yeah, Tranmere Rovers, yeah, yeah, and he used yeah. to be able to do it from the halfway line. Yeah, that cut, that cup run they had. Yeah, he was yeah. kind of that's. So and that was remember. the first time anyone saw it, and it, I mean that was like almost like they're cheating. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was interesting to um, Shelley Kerr saying. Um, afterwards, the amount of credit that needs to go to Austin McVie because of the variation in set pieces. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a strange criticism to have of a team being good at set pieces because it's almost like they've identified the opportunities you're going to get umpteen times a game mm. to do something that you're in almost complete control of and you're taking some... I mean, I, I'm amazed there's not been more, you know, almost... NFL style plays. I mean, the Hearts have tried it. They've done lots of different the, things earlier in the, the season, season where the the pretending that the two players have fallen out over who's going to take it, and then taking it quickly after that. And uh, yeah, yeah, this one, this one for Uchi's um, goal was was very good. I haven't seen that this season, but yeah, they they had what they had done was I think a couple of the corners before that they had piled everybody into the six yard box as well. Mm. But this one, what they did differently. I don't know if that was part of the plan to do that a couple of times and then the third time have a player just run out and not any player but your your quickest player. But even then, Chalmers didn't. Chalmers wasn't slow to go out there. It's like Chalmers decided not to bother following him at first, and then by the time he goes out there, Mulraney, like I mentioned earlier, he's got such a good turn of pace uh, that he was he was beyond Chalmers, and there was nothing he could really do about it. I think a lot of it was every every set piece or certainly every corner looked different it looked like it didn't ever look like they're trying to hit a, a section of the goal you know they're not trying to put it in the six yard box they're not trying to put it in the box. and it looked like it had really unnerved mm. Cali like they didn't know like they knew something was coming every time they knew it it wasn't just going to be a case of you you zonally mark or you pick up your man or it was like there is going to be something coming from this. There is something that you are not expecting. And when that happened three, I mean, it was what, three or four before they, they got the second goal, um, I think they were just really unnerved by it and they didn't really know whether they were coming or going. And I don't think it was necessarily that they switched off. They just didn't, they were, they were well out of their comfort zone by that point. And Hearts eventually added a third through Sean Clare from the penalty spot and again Ollie Lee's involved in the build up to this one with a I mean I don't know if there was any point in him making a no look pass <laughs> but uh, it, was a, it was a good pass all the same yeah uh, and it was I mean I think he's the one of the arguments you've got against the fact that Hearts are just a big kind of long ball team so I think Ollie Lee's a lot more talented than that and when he, he gets in the ball he, he can make things happen and he did, you know, he is one of the, the more inventive players and he does have an end product, unlike Mulraney, who they're, they're probably getting as good out of Mulraney as you're ever going to get, to be honest. Like the last, you know, the game against Hibs and then the game at the weekend, he was fine. Like he didn't look massively out of place, but he's never going to be, he's never going to have like a, a period like Forrest where he suddenly becomes this incredible player that he, he previously wasn't so if he can add an end product no, I, don't think think he's, well, I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna I, I but, think but we didn't think Forrest no, was going no, to and listen true. I'm not trying but, to say but I think most folk don't I think there's there's more people who, who don't as opposed to wingers who become like Forrest yes. or, or mm. you know reach a, a totally different level so I would, I would and I want to make it clear I'm not saying he's <laughs> going to get anywhere near <laughs> the quality of Forrest but if he can add yeah, that's yeah, not what I heard 
Scotland squad, twenty twenty three. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I think, I, I don't think Lee was. He didn't have his maybe best game in the first half, and he was, he was kind of. Well, he was playing out wide, I guess. Well, he's like tucked kind of in, in, yeah, yeah, that tucked in four four two. Didn't yeah. necessarily work that well in the first half, and I mean, I think given Hearts winning three 0 given the team they had out, or the you know they had Kina playing as well, Mulroney obviously don't have Naismith. You've got kind of holes across the team. I think you can't really argue that much with it, even if even if the first half wasn't all that great. Anybody anything else to add to this game? We'll just leave it there. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for listening again, guys. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can all the usual channels, be it Twitter, Facebook, or email. Uh, also, check out the Patreon content. We're going to go and record something now about Arbroath's title win. And uh, yeah, that's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. There's lots of um, good content going up there, depending on which tier you select. And uh, yeah, just say bye, guys. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.